Apparently, we're live on YouTube. I see it. <laughs> um, so I'll do my. This is the only sort of structured bit that we have at all, which is just to do do a quick intro. So um, it's live on YouTube. Yeah, like a live one on YouTube. YouTube. So, so we've got some really big delays and echoes on that oh uh, yeah sorry see that's what I mean. you can't have a uh, fully technical one the problem is it doesn't let me turn off the volume on youtube until it actually happens and then it backlogs and then it what can you do um so we are super excited to have um bill jones second degree black belt under master sour correct me if i get any of this wrong um owner school owner of top level martial arts which have just moved i believe yeah yeah swanky new premises um and um <laughs> and you also do um loads of stuff on the facebook page the bjj business stuff as well yeah yeah which we we follow intently as well so yeah thanks for coming on really appreciate yeah. it thanks for having me it's a pleasure it's always uh it's always good to get someone else in who's got some different insights into doing stuff and someone who's pushing forward in these uh weird weird times yeah it's definitely a challenge there's no doubt about that uh frustrating at times were you all teed up to to move and everything before this kind of all happened and yeah um so back in january maybe february i had signed a lease for the new location um it's about a mile from where i was we were excited about it of course you know, it's a seven-year lease and you know Next thing I know, we may never open again. You know what I mean? Like, who knows what's going to happen? And, uh, you know, there are a lot of a lot of nights of worry, I guess. You know, like, what am I going to owe to who? And how am I going to make that happen? But uh, so far, we're fortunate that, uh, you know, our members have been amazing through all of this. Um, they, they've all, you know, I, I wrote, basically wrote everybody and did a video and said, hey, you know, if you want to quit, you're welcome to do so. I'm asking anybody who's willing to, to just kind of keep paying during this this time and uh, you know we'll give you the time back you know later in the year to kind of like so we don't have to take the whole loss all at one time and you know we had a number of people quit because you know, they can't afford it some people are losing jobs it's crazy you know I don't blame anybody and then but we had about 250 members stick with us uh, and that's great we're even still hoping yeah, that's that's really good to have uh, to have that many people sort of stick with it and stay and support the club and everything like that. It's, it's very. I have to say, we've we've done done pretty well, and we our guys have been like superb, really, haven't they? Yeah. But like Bill says, we've we've had a couple of people that have almost like had to cancel. You know, yeah. their circumstances have changed, but for the most part, they've been superb, really. What's the situation out there for you now? Are you reopening imminently or what's the deal yeah so i'm in ohio and uh ohio for, for those of you who don't know it's kind of the mid like the midwest is what they call it but we're we're as far east as the west could be in the in, in the united states um and uh we kind of led the way you know we were kind of the first ones to really shut everything down um and then you know i don't know if it's because of that or not you know people have their own theories on everything but uh you know we've been kind of the first ones to be able to open up well so uh our school has been opened up since uh for about five weeks now oh, okay. um, and we did it very slowly we we uh we opened up 
uh, just to adults first and everybody had to schedule their classes, you know, no more than 10 in a class. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we've, we've been slowly kind of letting kids start doing their training. Um, again, have to schedule ahead of time, show up when, you know, you're not allowed more than two classes a week. It's been really challenging for a lot of people and the technology that, you know, you know how technology is. Uh, so people are having trouble signing in, things like that. Um, and now we're at the point where next week we're actually opening the adult schedule completely up so that they can just come in, log in for class and, and go just like normal, unlimited classes and everything. Um, you know, been just kind of keeping up with everybody, sending texts out. Is anybody feeling sick? Anything like that? And thank goodness we've had nobody get sick. Uh, nobody's had any problems at all. So that, you know, that's kind of how where we stand right now. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's nice to see some people getting back to it. It's kind of good. Uh, it's a bit of a shining light for us to know that, you know, it can go back to how, you know, go back to towards yeah. closer towards normal and get going again. And yeah, it's a nice positive. Yeah, light for, mean, us. for any of you guys, are you guys all still closed right now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we, how long have you been closed? How long has it been now, Rob? Uh, the, the our facilities got shut on the evening of March twentieth. Wow! And we locked down for March twenty third. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, just know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, hopefully there's no kind of resurgence or anything like that that we have to worry about. I mean, I don't know what else to do. It's not a, the solution they have in, isn't a, a good solution. Um, can't just keep everybody shut down forever it doesn't work out no there seems to have been like a, in the last few days especially like a, a disintegration of policy over here as well from kind of the scientific advisory board seem to be starting to edge themselves away from the government and then the government's policies are starting to you know there, there's there's little cracks starting to appear between the the scientific advisors and the yeah, I say little cracks. Yeah, big, big. <laughs> it's the same over here, you know. Like, um, you know, different different papers come out and everything, and they suggest whatever it is they suggest, and and you can tell that a lot of politicians have you know resigned themselves to a specific stance on this thing, and despite what the research seems to say or whatever, they refuse to change, whether that's for or against or you know otherwise, you know can't let a good you can never let a uh, a crisis go to waste if you're a politician right this is true this is very true so bill you, you said you got the new facility um had you moved into the new facility before you had to shut down or was everybody oh. coming back to the new facility after lockdown and, and everything change yeah everybody was coming back to the new facility and i'm going to be honest from you know that that actually made as challenging as it was to do with, with you know, not having a lot of people who can help and everything. Um, the excitement of it definitely helped me from a standpoint of, you know, I could keep up with them and instead of just like online classes, which I think most of us are trying to do, I was able to say, hey guys, here's pictures of the new place. You know, here's what it's gonna be. And it kept people excited. So I, I that was a huge benefit. And uh, and that first night when you opened up and uh, and you had people in and on the mats, what, how did you keep them calm and how did you stop them from tearing each other's limbs off? <laughs> it was hard, you know. Like we we uh, 
we, we've still only had a couple open mats, you know, we're, we're, it's a lot of classes. And of course in class, there's some, some live training as well, but uh, you know, I've, I've had to just slow everybody down, I guess, you know, like say, we're going to do a lot of drilling and just make them tired with the drilling. And, and uh, you know, that had to be good enough. And then we had our first like full open mat, just every, anybody who showed up could show up. That was uh, two weeks ago. And uh, we did another one today, and we'll have one probably this Sunday. And yeah. I mean, anytime we've done it, they've been packed. And, you know, everybody's just like so on edge. And especially here in the States, we've got, the, you know, this rioting going on and stuff, just compounding the issues. And, and uh, everybody needs to blow off some steam, you know? Yeah. 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 It's that pressure cooker effect at the moment, and that everyone's uh, ready, ready to go. So, yeah. So, Onto the kind of jujitsu side, the the sort of boring intro of how did you get your what kind of got you into it and got you with Master Sour and how did you say it's boring? This is the well, best not, bit for me. It's oh, boring, to me, stories. it's a boring, yeah. To me, it's a boring question. It's like <laughs> the, the same question that everyone gets asked on every podcast. That's why I'm kind of saying it. That but way. Bill's story might be excellent, you know. Well, I, I don't <laughs> doubt that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I, I don't know how old you guys are. I'm 41. And uh, when I it was in my senior year of high school, uh, which, you know, grade 12, I don't know how you guys refer to it as. But, okay. Um, yeah, okay. We, we had to write a, a, a thesis paper. And at the time I was studying Kung Fu and I, I had gone to Taekwondo and nothing against those martial arts. I still love them today. But that was, that was 1997, you know, Jiu-jitsu in America was still very young. At that time, it was still not uncommon to see guys going and challenging, you know, doing the challenge fights and stuff. And I wrote a 10-page thesis on why Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not effective. And uh, <laughs> so that, that's how my introduction to jiu-jitsu was. It's just I, I thought it was crap. You know, it's the typical stuff you hear, right? Like, what if there's glass on the ground? What what if there's needles? I don't know where people are fighting, but there's glass and needles on the ground. You know, whatever. But that's the tip. What if there's like 22 people attacking you? How do you deal with that? You know, it was uh, interesting. And I uh, trained traditional martial arts for a long time. Um, earned black belts in those arts. I, I went on, I was, uh, got introduced to Aikido Jiu-Jitsu. And that was my first taste of the ground. Did a little bit of that, a little bit of Judo. And I started kind of thinking, hmm, this is there's something to this. It's kind of fun. I kind of like it. Uh, fast forward, I got deployed to Iraq, to, to the war in Iraq, spent a year there. And uh, when I came back in 2004, um, I had previously been teaching Aikido Jiu-Jitsu in the school I was at. And uh, the owner of that school said, hey, just so you know, I had this other Jiu-Jitsu guy teach while you were gone. It's still your class, though. When you go back, just tell him you're there to teach and he'll, he'll do it. He does all this wrestling stuff now. I said, oh, okay. So I walk in with my, my Aikido Jiu-Jitsu black belt on, and I think I'm hot shit. And, uh, the guy comes up to me, and I'm expecting him to be a total jerk. He comes up, and as nice as can be, he goes, hey, man, my name's Tony. It's so good to see you. I'm glad you got back from Iraq, okay? You know, Steve says that it's, it's your class, so, man, if you want to teach, you're, you're in charge. And I, and I looked at him, and I go, oh, you know, he was, like, so nice. It took me off guard. It was kind of a breath of fresh air from like the, you ever done traditional martial arts? It's very militaristic. And from a guy who just came back from being in a war, the, 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 
uh, laid back side of it was kind of refreshing. So uh, I go, you know what, Tony, tell you what, let me take your class and see what it's like. And you know, we'll talk after class since everybody here is your student. You know, I don't, they don't know who I am. And he goes, okay, cool. He goes, uh, you know, just jump in line and we'll, we'll, we're going to work some stuff today. And he taught a half guard pass and Americana. And I remember thinking, man, this stuff is so complicated. <laughs> like, like how technical it was. And I was like, man, I don't know if I could repeat this ever. We get to the end of the session and he, he's like, hey, man, have you ever done any rolling before? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like Randori? And he's like, yeah, Randori. Do you want to do any of that? Do you want to try it? I go, yeah, sure. And uh, he's like, okay, well, do it with me first, you know, before you try it on anybody else. Okay. And uh, sure enough, he's like, starting my guard. I'm like, okay. I pass his guard using the path he showed. And then I hit him with an Americana that he, he had shown. And I'm thinking, man, I just beat this guy. That wasn't hard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not even thinking. Because in, in, in traditional martial arts, you just don't let people win like that. You, you know, you, like if you're fighting, you, you can't just let someone punch you in the face. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, it, it didn't even occur to me that he probably let me win. It, it wasn't even in my mind. I just assumed that I was capable of doing that. And he was like, yeah, good job. You, you, you roll kind. He's like, why don't you try rolling some of the other guys? Have fun. I'm like, okay. And this guy, he's a little guy. And if you guys, for anybody who hasn't met me, I, I'm about 260 pounds. So I'm a bigger guy. And uh, this little guy comes up and he's like, hey, man, you want to roll? And I'm like, yeah, sure, sure. And he goes, he just taps me on the arm and he goes, just do that when you're done, man. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, how do you want to start? Like on the ground or standing or what? I can go, well, I've done some throws and stuff, so let's start standing. And <laughs> this guy shoots a single leg from what seemed like 20 miles away from me, gets a hold of my leg, puts me on the ground, passes my guard and arm bars me like nothing. I'm like, what the heck? And I'm like, okay, give me another shot. Because that's what everybody says, right? First time it happens, they're all like, oh, it must have been a fluke. And so, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, let me try again. And he's like, okay, cool. And, you know, like, I try again, same kind of result. You guys know how it goes. And uh, I'm like, man, why aren't you teaching the class? Like, and, and he's like, what are you talking about? I go, well, I mean, I just beat Tony. And he's like, bro, no, you didn't. And I'm like, no, I mean, I just tapped him. It was the same as he should. He goes, yeah, man, he's letting you work. He's teaching you jujitsu. And I was like, holy shit. Like, just it blew my mind. Like, I was like, oh, man. Like, because I, I felt like, so many emotions like man i feel like a jerk for like thinking that i beat him i feel i feel like humbled by the fact that he had no need to beat me you know what i mean like he had no reason to to beat me up and like all of everything i thought about jujitsu i thought it was a bunch of thugs who just wanted to beat everybody up and and show how tough they were like all of my my preconceived notions were being challenged right now and then on top of that knowing that that this little guy could have taken me down at any time, despite the fact, like, I saw it, and I'm like, there's no way I could have stopped him. Like, I could not have kicked him in time. I could not have done anything about it. You know, and it, it really challenged me. So uh, I went home and thought about it, and I'm like, man, I, I need to know this. This is, this is it for me. This is amazing. And uh, so I dug a white belt out of my closet. It's hanging up on my wall today still, and I put it on the next time I come in, and Tony's Tony, Tony's there. He's like, oh, man, you don't have to put a white belt on if you don't want to. And I go, no, man, uh-uh. There's no way I wear another black belt until I earn it in this. And he goes, okay, cool. He goes, well, just so you know, we've got this guy, Pedro Sauer, coming in next week. Um, 
you know, I highly recommend that you, you come. He goes, this will be his first time here. Uh, you know, a couple of us are supposed to test for Blue Belt. At that time, Tony had been training for nine years. He had met Hoist and trained with a guy in this area, Craig Kramer and, and some others, but he had never had like a, an instructor of his own. So he didn't even have technical rank in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time. And, uh, you know, so Master Sauer came and, and at the time, you know, he, he was a fifth degree black belt. That's how long ago this was. And uh, I'll never forget him the first time I ever saw him do it. And of course he does it constantly these days, but he, he beat Tony with this, just holding his own belt, not even using his, his, his hands, you know? And I remember talking to Tony afterwards and he was, I was like, what was that like? And he goes, man, if I, if I thought like the best guys in jujitsu were here, because I kind of thought maybe I was here. He's like, bro, I'm not even, not even here. Because I had no idea how amazing this was. And uh, I was like, yeah, that's how you guys made me feel. That's why I put a white belt on. And so uh, I've been doing it ever since. And, you know, I fell in love with it that day. So that's how I got started. That was back in 2004. Fantastic story. Fantastic. <clears throat> and, uh, and Tony, are you still training with Tony now? What, what happened to Tony? Yeah. Tony Rinaldi is out of Youngstown, Ohio. And I'm going to be honest, most people will never hear about Tony Rinaldi because he doesn't, he doesn't go to a lot of things. He doesn't brag. He's one of the, you know how it is. You find those guys that are just in some town teaching and you roll them and you're like, who the hell is this guy? Like, that can be this good. And nobody knows about him. And Tony's one of those guys. And uh, if you ever talk to Master Sauer, he'll tell you that Tony's one of the craziest human beings he's ever met. Uh, Tony's an interesting human being, but uh, man, I owe him everything. Like, um, I was still, I was still trying to go through college and everything. And, and, uh, you know, there were times when he helped me out and didn't need to help me out. You know, he could have just said, Hey man, you can't afford class. See you later. And, uh, instead he'd, he'd be like, you know, you're good at teaching. Why don't, why don't you teach some classes and, and you know, we'll, we'll figure out the rest. And, you know, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that man. Uh, yeah, I owe him a lot. Say the least. You do find some uh, really, really, like you said, crazy, but yeah, really interesting characters in, in the jiu-jitsu world. But, the, but they're all so uh, humble and so, so you know, so giving as well. It's, uh, it's an amazing community. Yeah, that's outstanding. A big, big family. Um, I mean, what was the best, like, gift that jiu-jitsu has given you, Bill? Well, um, I mean, obviously, it's all I do right now. I get to just do jiu-jitsu every day yeah. and not everybody gets that experience um, necessarily but uh you know I, I have degrees in exercise physiology and nuclear medicine technology and uh, i was working for phillips healthcare which is actually out of the netherlands um but uh, they had a place in cleveland and uh doing uh, research and development for uh like cat scans mri that kind of thing and i hated it absolutely hated it most people would like die for that job because it paid well and everything, but I hated it. And, uh, you know, jujitsu is what allowed me to quit that job and just kind of be my own boss. You know what I mean? And now I get to, I have staff and my staff are my friends, right? They're my students and people have been with me for a long time and I get to help, you know, help them on their way to success, whatever that is for them. And, and uh, you know, be responsible for, for people with families and stuff. And then, you know, just getting to teach kids um, 
And then for me personally, it, it, uh, it's helped me a lot with like my PTSD and just, you know, like just mental issues. When, when life gets stressed and where a lot of people would get depressed and everything and get down, I feel like jujitsu is a way that I can, uh, I can just unwind. You know what I mean? Long lost part. Say that again, Rob, you broke up a bit, mate. But I remember that from the long last past. Yeah. 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 Jiu-jitsu stuff. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> I, think, I think it's underestimated. Yeah. You hear people talk about... It'll come about... back, I promise. It'll be back. You'll get to do it again. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you touched on a point there, I think, Bill, about like the, the, the way that it helps you mentally as well. And you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, find comfort in, in the uncomfortable positions of jiu-jitsu. And I think people take it really quite literally around you know like you know physically you know getting squashed not being able to breathe but there, there's so much more to it you know it, it does teach you that like when when things are getting tough and and stressful and and things are getting on top of you just like in your mind it, it does give you that you can apply the same logic to try and try and get comfortable with those positions or or you know shift move do something different that changes your mood it's uh it is it is a powerful yeah amazing amazing art yeah, for sure. It's, you know, Master Sauer likes to talk about the social benefits. Like, I can't tell you the last time I was in just an argument with someone, other than maybe someone online. But, you know, you never know how to read people's words. But, like, my words never come out of anger. You know, they're always, you know, just trying to understand things. And, and uh, even here in America, you know, we've had a lot of issues going on right now. And, and part of it, I think, is that I, I think you put it earlier, like, it's a, it's a pressure cooker right now. Everybody's on edge. And then, the tragedy that we had happen in Minneapolis. I don't know if you guys are paying any, any attention to that, but, uh, you know, yep. a lot of racial issues going on. And uh, it's allowed me, you know, a lot of my friends to, who are, are, are people of color, you know, I can, I talk to them and I'm like, hey, tell me your experience. And they know where I'm coming from. They know that I'm not trying to judge them or, or you know, in any way, because, you know, and jujitsu has kind of given me that as well. It's, it's allowed me to just approach people and, and they understand that it's from true caring curiosity rather than from some sort of, I don't know, he said, she said, pointing fingers kind of thing. Yeah. Um, they understand it's a calm nature that they're dealing with. Do you think that comes from the, the humbling aspect of it early on? Do you think like from sort of, of when you first step on the mat, you were talking about obviously, you know, going in as a black belt in a different art and then going in and feeling that kind of humbling experience of, of doing it. And you get that all the way through, don't you? That never kind of stops. Do you think that's kind of the major, the major catalyst for it being so helpful that way? I mean, I think it definitely can if you let it. I mean, it's just like anything, you know, uh, there's a lot of lessons out there for us if we, are, if we let ourselves learn them. Um, and I think jujitsu can definitely house a lot of those lessons for people. I mean, for some people, it's like their church. <laughs> it's it's crazy to think of that. Um, and then you've got people who will take advantage of that. And that's not good either. You know, I, obviously every profession out there has, has their, their screwballs, if you will. But, uh, you know, that's, that sucks no matter who it is or what, what venue it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So how does your, obviously we've seen, um, obviously we got us, Guys, see you from the the BJJ business stuff as well, and obviously you got a you know really successful school. Particularly, like I was interested because 
you, your community is not massive, is it? It's quite a, was I right in thinking it's like sort of 50,000 people local? Yeah. To, something like that. Was it something like that you said a while ago? Um, yeah, Cuyahoga Falls is about 50,000 people. Um, we border Akron, um, and Akron's about another 100,000. Um, and then the, the Stowe Kent area, which is kind of a smaller area. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, Smallish, I guess. You know, it's not super small. It's not like a two thousand person town. But... So, is it? Uh, what got you into? Kind of, we were talking to um, Mark Cookrow about this. What got you into kind of the the business side of it? Was it just because through running the school, or did you have like an interest in it before? Or yeah, you know, um, so. When I get into things, I tend to really get into them, right? Like I want to do it well, and it bothers me when I can't. Um, so jujitsu, obviously, I started that. And, you know, like day two, I was like all in. Like it was until I earned my black belt. There was never a consideration to me of if I stopped before that. It never even entered my mind. Um, and it's it's kind of the same thing when I opened my school. Eventually, at first, it was like a side gig. It was just. I had moved, I was a little farther away from, from Tony's school in Youngstown. So I, uh, I, I, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, I've got my job while I do this. And the more I realized, oh, I wanna really do this, um, the more I started deciding that, well, I need to understand it better. I need to know business. And I first approached a, a friend of mine in this area who owns like 12 Taekwondo schools. And he gave me some advice, um, which I took to heart and then, uh, you know, I started realizing, okay, well, let's read books about business. Let's see, you know, how to market to people, how to, and how to do it ethically, right? And I think that's always the worry is like, how do I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you never want to seem like you're trying to scam people or just rip them off or anything like that, um, which is something that, 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 you know, a lot of martial artists, I think, get accused of, deservingly or not. Um, so I started reading books and, and, and getting coaches. Uh, one of my first coaches was a gentleman named Mike Massey, and, and he did great with me um, and moved on from him to Michael Perella, whose group doesn't really even do coaching anymore. Worked with Alan Belcher some, uh, you know, just kind of, it's kind of just like jujitsu, right? Yeah, oh, this guy good leg locks. Let me go work with him. This guy's got a great darse. Let me go work with him. Sometimes it happens to be the same person. Some of you were wearing the David Porter shirt. But, but uh, <laughs> um, it, you know, like, it's just about really engrossing myself in it. And, and what that allowed me to do was learn how to build a business in a way that I feel is ethical. And uh, my members obviously think it's fine because they wouldn't be members if they didn't. Um, and that I can, I, can, I can just do it full time. I don't need to make a lot of money. I just need to make enough to you know, pay for my house and my car feed my kids. Um, and I realized that there's a lot of people out there who, who maybe haven't had that education, which is why I started the BJJ business group. You know, I don't sell any business items. I don't do, it's not that I would never do it. It's just that I think there's a lot of plenty of good product out there already. I don't know what I would be contributing that's different. So that's why I just do the group. If people in there can take the advice or not, you know, like, you know it's like jujitsu. My way may not be the best way for everybody. Right. So um, it's, it's just something that helps me. And I like to give back with anything that I, 
I receive. And I feel like that, that helps. So it's worked out for me and I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy the business side almost as much as I do the, the on the mat side, which I think is a rarity. Some people get into it and say, man, you know, I love teaching, but I hate doing the business or I hate doing sales or whatever. And it's like, I kind of enjoy all of it. Um, so I guess I'm lucky in that regard. But yeah, Mark Kruko, who you spoke to, he's, he's also very good at it. He goes all over our country talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because we were talking about just sort of the different dynamic as well. Over, in, over here, there's still a bit of a, it's getting better, but there's still a bit of a, a thing that almost like martial arts should be for free. <laughs> and that you know, well, and I, I don't know where that came from because that's never been the case. Like when you do your your research, samurai were an uh, upper class, and and they they paid for their training. You know what I mean? Like like either via their service, you know, like okay, well you're gonna die for me, so I'll pay to have you trained, right? Like, or when when things kind of started changing in Japan. You didn't just go to a master. You know, there's those stories where, like, supposedly a master just taught you free. That's not how it worked. They opened schools, and you went and you paid to get these menkyo licenses to be able to teach yourself. And uh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> like, I don't know why anybody would expect that. Uh, and I don't try to rip anybody off, but I I'm certainly have a, something that I think is valuable. And, you know, it's how I feed my kids. So yeah. Yeah, and, and like you say, with someone like yourself who's got facilities and overheads and all of that stuff, it, it never never comes cheap, does it? So, and the quality of, you know, and the work you put in getting to, you know, traveling to see people and train with people and it all adds up, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so you mentioned your style of jujitsu may not be for everybody, Bill. What, what is your style of jujitsu? What's what's the well, salt and pepper that makes your style different to, to some of the other people that we might have seen? So I think that everybody has a different body type, right? Like we all want to be technical. And I think that, that that applies to everybody, right? Like small, big, fast, strong, doesn't matter. You can be technical. But, you know, it's easy for me to, and, and one of the things I've looked for since Black you know we always say that we learn more after black belt than, than before is what am i getting away with right like like where am i like I'm, I'm inside control and i just do this and i shrimp well maybe when i just do this someone's moving because i'm big and when i move even though i'm not trying to quote push them my movement causes them to move um so finding finding methods of doing things that are technical suit my body style like i'm not going to go inverting very often um, if at all, you know, I'm just not built for that. Um, even when I'm small, some people look at my pictures from like 2005, 2006, and they're like, oh man, you were tiny. What were you like 180? It's like, no, man, I was still 220 in those pictures. Like I'm just a big guy. And, and uh, you know, sometimes I can use my weight in ways that other people can't. The, the mechanic is still correct. It just happens to feel real different when I do that mechanic than when say, uh, David Porter does that mechanic who's 190 pounds, you know, like it just doesn't feel the same, um, you know, or uh, another good example is like, I would love to be able to do a lot of the little things uh, Master Sauer does with his feet when he's passing the guard where you can pull his heel up to his butt and then just like hook your leg, but my heel doesn't come anywhere near my butt, 
So those kinds of techniques, although they're phenomenal, um, it's hard for me to do those things. And so I think I look at jujitsu like an, like an art form, you know, everybody's going to use the same colors. Like everybody uses red, everybody uses blue, everybody uses green, but there's a reason uh, a, a Da Vinci looks different than a Picasso, right? I mean, like they're both art, they're both amazing. They're just, they end up looking different because different people did them in different perspectives. And then, you know, how I grew up, uh, Tony Rinaldi's school was, was very much uh, MMA focused. So a lot of my jiu-jitsu is focused on uh, get to the mount and, yeah, I want to submit from the mount and do that. Everybody wants to get the submission. But in the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, good. Now I can just punch this person in the face until they roll over and give me the show. You know, like that's, that's how it really works, right? Like that's why it's so hard to do chokes and stuff in the mountains because someone can sit here and do this all day. And it's like, now you got to figure out sneaky ways to deal with it. When in reality, it's just, you start bopping them in the head. Or if you watch like old school choke videos, they just slapped them in the mouth until they rolled over. Um, <laughs> the rear naked choke just goes right in. So uh, yeah, I mean, so that, that's kind of like my style of jujitsu, but I love it all. You know, I'll, I'll bear them blow with the best of them. It's just, you know, certainly not, not, not conducive to my body type. What about you guys? What kind of jujitsu do you like? We're all, we're we're funny. So so Rob and I started at about the same time. What nine years ago? Eight years ago? Nine years ago? Probably um, nine, almost ten, actually. Okay. Um, and um, I was kind of training a little bit, and then because I think what's happened is the two of us have had like these diverging paths mainly because we were each other's training partner. So, you know, you'll, you'll sort of relate to this in that, like I'd get a move and I'd get good at a particular move. And then a few weeks down the line, Rob would get really good at the counter to that move. And then I'd have to get good at trying to counter the counter and then he'd go off on a different. So we've kind of got like these diver, although we're still similar to what you're saying, really, we've always worked off Master Sal's curriculum and, all the all of his moves and things like that and then and then we've had to find the little cracks in to counter each other basically so all of our both of our games has just been completely formed by the other person by kind of at the very beginning for the first few years you know first what three four years mainly just kind of you know doing battle with each other and having to figure out how we how we you know sort of change other people so i'm kind of i'm about six four and i've got sort of long limbs um, so I kind of I like a I like butterfly guard and and I like mount. Um, I don't know. What do you reckon yours is, Rob? What do you reckon yours? Dealing with butterfly guard and mount. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because uh, you know I, just, I talked about Tony, another guy who uh, co-owned the that group. There's a guy named Brian Lenarsik, and they they earned their black belts together, and. It's so funny because they trained together for the part of 20 years. And if they came out of seminar on jujitsu and what they thought, you know, the best jujitsu looked like, you're getting two different types of jujitsu. Brian is all, you know, baseball slide pass and arm bar. Tony is all, you know, heavy control on the, you know, on, on the guard passing and, and mount. And, and uh, it's funny how that happens, you know, because they trained together pretty much exclusively for years, just like you two. Yeah. And we've had, because, because we were kind of out on our own in the UK as well, we had kind of some different, different influences 
sort of spotted through. So we've had different influences. So um, Alan Manganello is kind of our lead, you know, our lead black belt. Um, okay. Um, Mike Diaz came over to us early and because and, Alan couldn't come over at the time. Uh, Mike Diaz did our blue belt grading. And so we spent, you know, a good chunk of time with him. And then, so we've kind of had these sort of real different, and then obviously we've trained with Dave. Um, and so we've had all these real different, and Master Sarah as well, we've been lucky to train with him, you know, a reasonable amount. So get to see him, you know, we have until now, you know, at least once a year and things like that. So, yeah, we've had all these funny little influences that have kind of, we've gone, oh, that, I really like what that, you know, I really like, um, you know, Mike's Butterfly Guard and that's what started me doing Butterfly Guard. And then, you know, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. You see now, Bill, both of us. <laughs> they're saying that you should ask me what their styles are like because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always on the receiving end um i, I describe rob as being um very he's like textbook you know every move is 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 like it's like it was designed in the book and there's not an inch of space and and there's no there's no room for error you know he, he doesn't ever ever there's never ever a time when he doesn't move like badly just to 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 show you how it shouldn't be done because that's a way of developing bad habits um so it's, it's like he's like a machine in the sense that it always has to be textbook perfect which is um which is which is just yeah it's phenomenal it's it's, it's horrible to be be under it to be honest um pete uh, same in terms of like that technical, it's it's all it's all like polished and clean. But there's there's a there's an element when you're rolling with Pete, which is like I don't know where this is going to end. This this could end <laughs> up like you know over there against the wall, or or I'm hanging off the ceiling, or you know, it, I, yeah. I like being thrown by Pete. It's quite cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I my, that, my style, Bill, is just just defence. You know, I, having been beaten up by these two for the last you know seven eight years of my life, um, I, I just take great pleasure in in, in surviving. So uh, yeah, just just defending. His best position is mount. Yeah, under mount. I just like I like frustrating people to the point at which they give up. But being yeah. under mount, that's 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 my that's that's my intention in life is just to be so annoying. Undermount that, that people give up and, and we shake hands and we, we go our separate ways. So you and I are similar in that regard. Um, I like to be on the bottom and I like to let, like I want to feel everything everybody has. Yeah, I know Master Sal has talked about that a lot too. But um, I like to be on the bottom and frustrate people. And I like to feel heavy even though they're on top of me. And so I find ways to, to make them have to carry my weight even though they're on top. And if you've never dealt with that, it's quite frustrating. And, uh, you know, and then just revert, try to reverse the position. So um, a lot of harpoon type things and, and uh, tricky, just tricky reversals or uh, a lot of sweeps from guard. I, I'm a very sweepy guard is what I like to say. I don't, I don't do a lot of submitting from my guard um, with the exception maybe of cross choke. I like to cross choke. But uh, yeah, you know, make them make them uncomfortable because when they get in their brain, then the rest is easy. Like, so if I can get you to think, man, I can't beat this guy, uh, then I've already won. Yeah. And then as far as when I'm on top, I would say it's pretty typical big guy top pressure, right? Like just smash past you, 
it's, it's like hitting you with a, with a hammer or a two by four the whole time until you decide that you're done. <laughs> you know, like, but that, that's we, we, kind we've of, got a lot in common, Bill. I'm, I'm probably about <laughs> 260 as well at the moment. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's that lockdown diet he's been on. <laughs> <laughs> some people comment like one of the things david the first time i ever trained with david porter um he was surprised at how playful i am too like because i'll i don't have to win all the time so like like i said i'll, I'll bear a bolo i'll roll around I'll, I'll have fun with it um but yeah if i want to win i'm gonna probably just smash you pass through your half guard get them out and make you hate life until you give up question <laughs> your life choices yeah yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> would that would that be kind of? Oh, I was going to say, would that be kind of your advice? Because we've got we've got a couple of big guys at the school. We've got um, Sam will be very pleased to hear that using his weight because he was uh, he's a really big guy, um, strength athlete. So you know he's, he's sort of my he's sort of six four. And how much does Sam weigh now? I don't know. I don't know. Let me get the calculator out. Yeah, we'll, me we'll measure them in planets. It's easier. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, 320? Would he be able to be about 20, 20, 20, 20 stone, maybe? So, 21 stone? What would he be? Yeah. Yeah, it must have been something. Yeah, I don't know. If, he, if anyone's on WhatsApp, they might be able to tell them. Yeah. The best story was um, when we had um, uh, Professor Luis Heredia over, and he, he looked at Sam and went, Jiu-Jitsu's not for you. <laughs> he just, the first thing, walked straight into the seminar next to Rob and I. Hadn't seen any of them. Zeroed straight in on Sam, <laughs> looking at him going, Jiu-Jitsu's not for him. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started to proceed to break down how he'd try and attack him. He's like, I'm definitely not going to try and armbar him. I'm going to try. <laughs> and you can see yeah, the you flight. Gotta him. You got to figure out some kind of book. And it's probably yeah. got to be with, with, with the gi because wrapping your arm around them is going to be tough, right? <laughs> yeah. You need you need yeah. arms as long as Pete before you can wrap your arms around Sam. Yeah, yeah it's, it's funny. You know, people ask me, you know, what's big guy jiu-jitsu? You know, other big guys ask me that. Or, you know, or some people who will be like, you know, what do people do to frustrate you? And, you know, it's like, all that's great, but you have to be technical first, right? Like, I don't mind using my weight because I, I'm, relatively sure that most everything i'm doing with my weight is technical um it's an attribute just like flexibility or speed or strength or anything else there's nothing wrong with having attributes but they're they enhance good technique they're not made to replace the good technique and so that's the advice i'd give anybody who has any attribute you know even if it's just intelligence some people are super smart and able to plan ahead and do that stuff but that doesn't do them any good if they have crap technique so that's that's where we're blessed to be under Master Sour because I've seen a lot of guys, and I mean, don't get me wrong, they're all really good, but very few of them understand it the way he does. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of strange the depth that stuff goes to, and just across the, it's, it spreads out so much across the association. Like, I don't I don't meet a, a black belt under Master Sour that doesn't have that same understanding of technique and the same understanding of, of the philosophy and stuff that, you know, and the concepts, which is something I'm sure we'll sort of talk about, but yeah, that doesn't have a grasp of the concepts as much as, you know, people in the association do. It's, it's, it's weird. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, it's a, uh, it's definitely a thing, you know. Um, yeah, you guys compete very often. I haven't for a long time. I used to at the beginning, definitely. I used to compete a lot, and then yeah, it just got when we. I'll tell you what it was as well. It was when we opened the when we started opening the school and teaching classes. And I did a competition not that long after we started classes again, I guess. Um, and at that point, because I was, what was it, four strike blue belt then, I guess. Yeah, well, we it like it took a lot away from. Well, we two strike blue. Okay. Yeah, it took a lot away from me concentrating on helping other people. I felt like I had to be quite selfish. I get into quite a selfish mode whenever I've kind of done it. Um, of making it sort of all about me um, so I kind of didn't um, <laughs> I kind of felt like I wasn't because I was still at the beginning of the journey as well really I didn't feel like I was learning as much as I could have done um, in terms of the curriculum to help teach the other guys as well so I felt like I, it was taking away from the school a little bit on that last occasion and because I came from a judo background I got really frustrated in the blue belt category because everyone just sat down on me everyone just sat yeah. down sat on their butt scooted around the mat and I was like come on I want to you know I, I want to practice the self-defense art and I've got to take you down and you've got to take me down and kind of and then we'll go from there but you know I know now that it's just part of the game you know it's part of the competition game point scoring game and and you know it was fine but it, it frustrated me a little bit because I enjoy the 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 attempts to try and take each other down and that little battle as much as then once we hit the ground carrying on from there so yeah I got a little bit disillusioned with it from there um but I did enjoy it when I did it I have to say it was also, it was also the chemical enhancement of some of the guys as well right yeah there was a little bit of chemical enhancement of the other athletes in my category when the last time I competed um <laughs> yeah I could see that um, um yeah and and what was I was in masters or say it changes in every competition doesn't it what they categorize it as but um i was late 30s so um yeah i looked at a couple of the guys and i was like either you're really genetically lucky or or, or you've been or you've been using some supplements on your cornflakes for a really local competition where there's nothing at stake other than a nice medal there's nothing like I just didn't get it. I was just like, I'm not going to get injured by one of these guys and not be able to teach just because they're that desperate to win a local competition. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was kind of the last time I did it. I feel like I should, I, I would do it again, but I'd have to pick and choose quite carefully, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I started getting back into competition. So I, I did it a little bit like uh, I, I've done one, at least one at every single rank which I think is fun. I can honestly say it never felt like jiu-jitsu until Purple Belt. It always just felt like two pit bulls just kind of like going at each other. <laughs> but I remember the first time competing at Purple Belt, I was like, oh, wait, this actually, this actually feels like jiu-jitsu. Like we're just we're trying to move and do things. And so that was an interesting uh, revelation to have. And then kind of like you, like I opened my school and, and I had to focus on that. Uh, that was back in 2010. And so I kind of got out of it for a long time and, and yeah, you know, it's necessary for anybody to do it. I don't think anybody has to, but then uh, just last year I started doing more of them and I was like, you know, I kind of like this, but I also, I, I'm with you. I like, the, I like the takedown aspect and dealing with, you know, 
um, that particular struggle. Um, just because I think it's fun too, not not just for the self defense. It's just fun. You'd be happy to know I hit a nice uchimata in the last one. Nice, uh, nice. But, uh, but yeah, and then people pull guard, and it kind of throws me off. So you got you got to go in with the right mindset for sure, like and be ready for that. So um, yeah, but it's fun. I recommend it to anybody, but I don't think everybody should have to do it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I used to, I, like I said, I did used to enjoy it. And then, yeah, the school took over. And then now I just panic about getting injured. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Kids were coming in for classes and I wanted to close my door so it didn't get loud. Yeah. That's See, the thing you have to remember with Pete is he'll start a new hobby and within weeks he will have turned it into a competition. So he has to try really, really hard not to like, compete with stuff <laughs> okay yeah i've got issues <laughs> hey we all do right <laughs> yeah yeah what rob's talking about was i um i started paddleboarding last year and i think within eight weeks of paddleboarding i'd signed up for the gb championships and then i paddled across scotland the same year hey, wow. <laughs> that's impressive man <laughs> hey how many miles is that scott uh uh what was it? It was like 37 kilometers and then 42 kilometers the second day. So it was like back to back days. It was about... like 50 miles. Yeah. Wow. Two days. Yeah. That's impressive. So, yeah, I've got issues. <laughs> it's impressive, but it's also a little bit crazy, Bill. We, we do we do keep reminding him of him the, of these crazy feats that he, uh, he signs up for. We have to keep him on leash. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> Obsessive, but yeah, it's all good. It's it's directed effectively. That's what it is. I'm directing it into positive things rather than uh, rather than anything negative. So it's it's fine. Yeah, you got you got to choose your poison, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got to be careful. <laughs> do you ever do you have any other uh, like hobbies or anything that you you think like complement uh, jujitsu or? Or anything that you recommend your students stay well away from? <laughs> um, I love Magic the Gathering. Um, I got into that about two years ago now. Uh, and uh, definitely stay away from it. It's extremely expensive. If you think jujitsu is expensive, <laughs> Magic the Gathering will, is worth another home. You know, it, it can cost you so much. But it's a fun, it's a thinking game. You know, I, I like that about it. I like tabletop games in general. Um, you know, I'm a dad, so, you know, I like playing with my kids, things like that, the typical dad stuff, right? Um, but, man, I've just been doing martial arts for so long. It's like my passion. I could do it every day, all day, and talk about it all the time. So it's, it's uh, I guess I'm kind of a loser in that regard. But, yeah, I, I've, I've really gotten into magic recently. So I, I'd say that uh, would be my other passion. Was that, uh, was that Dave's fault that you got into that? Or was that... You know what? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. But yeah, it was it was my friend David who got me into it. <laughs> so what's it like? We've we've been talking with everyone about sort of concepts and and things like that, uh, concepts of jujitsu. And there's kind of this thread that's come out accidentally of everyone saying, you know, there's a point where you kind of let go of the moves and then you go on to thinking in concepts and thinking in sort of um, 
yeah, thinking in concepts rather than just thinking about moves and things like that. Is that something you've experienced? Kind of what point did you sort of find that crossover from where you were just focusing on, right, I've got to learn this move and then this move and then this move to kind of it's starting to become a bit more fluid? I remember the moment. Um, I was working on X guard sweeps. Uh, and uh, I don't remember what rank I was. It doesn't matter. But I remember I was working on X guard sweeps. And uh, I was trying to figure out how to sweep someone one way or the other. And it occurred to me that, oh, wait a minute. It doesn't matter what move I do. I go, if I just don't let them have base where I'm moving them to, they, they can't stop it. They're going to swept, whether it's up or sideways or back or whatever. And that's a real simple concept. But that's when I realized, oh, wait a minute. I don't necessarily need to know a technique for this. I just need to understand how to put them in the direction I need them to go and not let them put their hand down while, they, while I do it. And uh, as a consequence, my jujitsu is, I would say like, like if, you, if you come and say, hey, what are your five favorite techniques from this position? A lot of times I just have to feel what you're doing because I, I don't necessarily have a do this move and then that move and then this move. Um, it's more like, okay, well, I feel your pressure here so the sweep is in this direction, um, or I, you know, I feel your 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 body motion moving, and so I would do this, um, because like where your base is, um, and and it's much the same thing. I would say the other big concept is is uh, for submissions, is understanding that in jujitsu we typically have, you know, five primary positions we talk about. Right, we talk about standing, guard, back side control mount, but really like the positions are much more complicated than that, much more complex. And if you think about like, say a Kimura, you know, I can get my Kimura grip on you and that's a position in and of itself. It's like an entire art of jujitsu, right? You have people who, who specify just in, in getting that grip and then finding their way to the arm bar or to your back or to a choke or, you know, whatever. And it's, I think the more you can do that with different positions, the, the better you are. So the same thing that you know has become more popular in the last, say, five to ten years is leg locks, right? At first, it was just kind of like, well, grab an ankle and twist it. But now it's intricate. There's there's different positions for these. You, you know, there's there you you know you've got your single leg X, your Reaper, your your saddle. You know, and if you un try to do a submission those positions without understanding where you even are probably not going to work you know, it's like doing it's like trying to do a cross choke from the bottom of the mount right like typically you get beat if you try that um and so those are kind of the concepts i've been playing like is, is what is a position how do i control you know the micro positions if you will like like if i'm going for an arm bar from mount yeah i could probably just spin into it but that's kind of an attribute if i'm fast i might get it but how can i control not only the mount but the mount with my knee slightly higher and then my mount with the knee slightly higher than that. And then, you know, kind of switching into an S mount and, and all these, these micro movements have it being its own encapsulated position that has its own set of controls and options off of it. Um, so yeah, and that all stemmed from that one moment of realizing how to sweep somebody. So. That's cool. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
think I, I, I think people don't realise what they get just from the you know the, the white to blue syllabus from from Master Sauer. Just listening to you talk about that, like I, I was thinking about Upa, um, you know, take the arm and the leg on the same side of the body, and then when you roll in that direction, they can't stop you. That that is the very basic kind of what you just described in terms of mm -hmm. sweeping somebody. You get it from the very beginning, but in real simple terms. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah it's, a, it's an amazing syllabus. I think it has got something. It's always got an answer for almost everything in that just white to blue. I never get bored of it. Yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a great curriculum. And, uh, you know, to the point, I mean, I, I teach it in my school, <laughs> you know, like, and my, my black belts and brown belts, they, they drill it just like anybody else and so it's uh yeah i mean it, you're talking about different types of jujitsu for different people and how different body types you know i think that we my biggest worry is that you know when master star one day is gone that that might be lost because I, I i wonder if anybody can truly duplicate what he's created as far as the way his jiu-jitsu works and the way he can relay it to other people and and, and the uh it, you know it's just his methods of doing it are you know i mean i've seen world champions look at him in awe just like who is this guy you know what I mean? like not realizing how skilled a person can actually be um whether they can tap him or not is really beside the point they're just it's just his way of thinking so uh yeah and that all just bleeds through in his syllabus and his curriculum it's funny when we've met some of the other black belts come through. You see, um, you see like Pedro Sauer mannerisms in in different body parts. So I think Mike Horihan has the closest feet to Pedro Sauer that I've seen. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it is quite interesting. So maybe he won't. You know, there might, might not be somebody that can mimic everything. But I think with everybody that's learned from him, you can put it all together and uh, and still have a pretty good shot. Yeah, I mean that's the goal, right? <laughs> Spread okay. it out. Um, yeah, you, you know, institutionalize the information, right? So that everybody has a piece of it, and hopefully we can figure out how to put it together. Hopefully that's not for a long time. <laughs> but, um, uh, exactly. yeah, I think he, he seems to be doing well. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's just impressive, you know, and, you know, not trying to kiss anybody's ass or anything. It's just, it's just always impressing to me, you know, it, no, absolutely is. Yeah. Talking to, uh, have you guys met Benji from Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, yeah. we spoke on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, I was talking to him one day about it, and he was kind of saying the same thing because you know he's met, he was he's been under a lot of different people and trained with a lot of different people, and he was saying the same thing. He's like nobody does it like Pedro Sauer does, not one person, and that's why they were so impressed with him. And those guys are not easy to impress you know what i mean they, they have a high standard and uh you know obviously pedro meets it yeah yeah and there was uh we were i was tuned in for one of the live q and a's he was doing a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago and he was showing the arm in guillotine or his arm in guillotine escape and <laughs> He kind of showed he showed it and he showed the basic version and then and then he was like oh look at this little detail here and then this little detail here and then this little detail here and then there was another one and then there was a couple that he did but didn't even say anything about where you were like hang on a second why is he doing that with that you know 
why is he doing that with his pinky over there? There's definitely a reason why he's, he's doesn't, you know, I always feel when he does something, there's a reason for, I don't feel like there's ever anything that's not done for a specific reason. Yeah. There's, there's no, no, there's no way of motion. Economy of motion is retained throughout his entire jujitsu. You know, and I, I just look at it and I think about it, you know, I'll be moving around and I, I feel like a slob sometimes, you know, it's like, what am I doing with this arm? Why is it just hanging out over here? Do something with that. You know, like, um, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Um, I had somewhere I was going to go with that. Now I forget. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, I, I do. Have, so the arm and guillotine, I have a funny story about that. Um, he, uh, which one did he show? Did he show standing or on the ground? Uh, on the ground. Yeah. Did he do the one where he uses his leg to scoop your hips over and then back steps off of it? Uh, it was, you know what it was? It was really similar because I thought he was going to do the same thing. It was really similar to the, uh, the standard guillotine escape. Okay. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, he's going to do the same thing as that. And then there was just some tweaks on it that I just suddenly, oh, okay, no, it's not the same. And then they like, yeah. kind of built from there, yeah. Well, I was at a seminar and another one of my favorite people to train with, Jeff Curran, Professor Curran, um, was teaching and he was showing an arm and guillotine escape that he had figured out because he had lost a, a fight to Uriah Faber because of the arm and guillotine. And he was talking about it. You know, that fight kind of ended his career at that time from a fighting standpoint. Obviously, he's a phenomenal teacher and uh, has great school. And, you know, if you ever train with his guys, if you get the chance, you should definitely do that. But um, he, he gets done teaching this move and this, this escape and, and it was fine and ended up fun. Like it got you out of the position and Master Sauer is looking and he, you know, he does the typical Master Sauer. He's like, hey, you could probably try this. And uh, you know, what he showed was just you know, simplicity in motion. It was just so easy and simple to get out of. And you know, it was kind of like I said, with you know, these high level guys just looking and Jeff just looks and he goes, man, I've been trying to figure out how to get out of this move for like five years. And you just look at it once and you're out. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's like, I developed that over five years. And you, know, you look at it for 30 seconds and it's done. <laughs> It's always that shit the head, isn't it? It's always that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the universal movement in a Master Sauer seminar is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, you know, as, as an instructor, sometimes you get to see people do that, you know, for something you show. But then, like, you got to tell me, like, guys, it's just the way it is. <laughs> like, it's not going to be forever. Just get used to it. You're going to ask a question. The answer is going to be much simpler than you expect. Yeah, just understand what happens to us all the time. Yeah. Do you think that helps across, I mean, obviously across the association, but for you, having that understanding of concepts means that it's easier for you to teach to different body types and things like that. Do you think that's kind of what helps? Rob? Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely it does. And, and uh, you know, because if you understand the concept that, you know, going back to the sweep, let's say, you know, okay, I need to, I need to control, let's say, you know, your, their, their right arm. And if I'm controlling their right arm, it means I need to lift with their back left to, to tilt them in the correct direction. And, uh, you know, if you can get someone to understand that and then understand what tools they have, you know, you have your hooks, you have your arms, you have your underhooks, you have, you know, things like that. Um, 
then people can do that. And, and you can look at, say, the, the master sound curriculum and say, okay, well, you're having trouble with the basic uh, hook sweep. You know, here, here's a, a little thing you can, you can do because of your body type to make it easier. Um, and if they understand the concept, they're able to take that and paint their own picture, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, uh, um, and having trained with other associations and stuff, there is that stamp where you could you can see master sale back belts straight away. Like you see them teach something, especially teaching as well. You see someone teach something, you go, uh, even if you didn't know, you'd go, oh, that's that's someone from the association kind of thing. Yeah. I would say that on the whole, and, and again, the, the, you know, we I say these things. I've trained with so many guys outside the association that are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, next level guys, I can't tap them, you know. But the uh, the understanding sometimes, and and the understanding of how to convey it to other people, isn't always there. You know, they're so used to just being able to do it, or you know, just just learning it through hundreds and hundreds of reps. And uh, which is, of course, required, you know, you're going to need that, but they, they may not know how to convey it to other people. And uh, I think that's something that that we do well. Um, it's, it's sometimes overlooked, it, you know, like we don't have a lot of world champions and we don't have a lot of, you know what I mean? We don't have a lot of guys fighting right now, although we've certainly had our share of guys who have fought at high levels. I mean, I guess we still have some, but uh yeah, you know what I mean. We don't have, a, we just don't have a lot of that, and and so people sometimes I think turn their nose up at the association. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but I have, and uh, you know, and then I'll just work with them, and they'll be, they'll be like, okay, this is so different than what I thought you were gonna do or what you were gonna say, or you know, like they they're like, okay, I get it now, and it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's just. You know, people people think just because you're not going to all the tournaments and winning that you must not know jujitsu. It's like no, that's just I just don't think everybody has to go to the tournaments and win. You know, like, not everybody has the time to do that, or the money, or or they they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. And uh, you know, that's just it's just kind of what it is. Yeah, well, I guess as well you you know from a sport physiology point of view, there's if the sole focus is is competition then then you'll get athletes but but you won't get much more than that and and they're not that many out there that are especially if you start going up to a, a national or world-class level they're they're super few and far between in terms of just genetics and and everything else it's you know your pool of people shrinks massively doesn't it as soon as you just focus on that um yeah it does you know, I, I like to say that, you know, again, before all this hit, I was at 284 members. And I like to say that we are a school that uh, focuses on helping the hobbyist, you know, the person who can come in two, three times a week. But we also cater to the competition guy because we have three competition classes a week, you know, like that are designed just for that. And uh, a lot of places don't have competition classes. They don't even understand what that even means. Like to them, there's one way to do jujitsu. And from, from a coach perspective, a lot of times they do it wrong. <laughs> you know, like, um, I guess I, we can talk about that later if you want. But, but uh, I, I feel like too many schools are, are opposite of what I just said. They, they, they cater to, or they focus on the competitor 
but cater to the hobbyist. And when you do that, the people you're going to attract are those competitors. And you're 100% right. The, the number of people who uh, have a combination of uh, willingness to work hard, um, decent genetics that it's going to, to pay off, um, and, and the desire to, to train hard, to do well in competitions for a long period of time is very small. You know, it's less than 10%. That's why, you know, and I, I'm not a huge fan of Team Lloyd Irving, but they always had their 3% thing. That's probably a true statement. The guys who did that and consistently on the, on the highest level, they're probably in the top 3% and they're very skilled. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I'll learn from any of those guys any day of the week. I, you know, I'd love to, to see anything they want to show me. But, you know, most of my members are 35, 40 year old dads and moms that have to go to work the next day. They don't want to be super sore. They don't want to, you know, have broken fingers and broken toes. They don't want to have black eyes. You know, they're surgeons, they're attorneys, they've got to look presentable. And they want to know that they're going to come, learn something, and be safe. And for those people, you know, that's the majority of humans out there. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's like there, but you know, if you think of it as, as like militaristic, you know, our military in the United States only makes up two percent of the population. Like that's a really small number. And if you think about that kind of warrior type training, most people don't want that. They think they want that, but they don't. They, they want to do something similar, warrior like. And uh, you can still get pretty damn good at jujitsu and definitely be able to defend yourself without getting beat up every day. And, and uh, there's too many that don't, don't understand that, you, you know, from a coaching perspective. There's a great podcast with uh, Joe Rogan and Ben Askren where he's talking about it. Ben Askren's talking about it, yeah. about how people just train wrong. You know, they go 100% all the time because. You know, he's, he was at the highest levels of wrestling. They never, they never did that. You know, like what's the difference between wrestling and jujitsu as far as training and the way, the way it kind of looks, the mechanics, not a whole lot. The rule set is completely different. But, you know, people are trying to train jujitsu at 100%. They're getting hurt. That's, that doesn't work. No sport on earth does that. No. I mean, football teams, no one, no high level sport does that. You know, add on to it that maybe you only train three times a week and maybe you're, you're not in the best condition, you're going to break down quick. And that's why a lot of people don't make it past blue belt. They break down too fast because the training is not done properly. That's my opinion. Yeah. No, I think we're similar over here in terms of the, the demographic of member we get coming to us and things like that. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, your, it's your average person who wants to train and wants to learn and likes something the ufc or want self-defense or whatever and yeah they yeah they can't they can't be getting injured all the time and how do you how would you how do you kind of ease your guys into it if someone comes to you and they're sort of totally unconditioned and um you know you know that they're a bit of an injury risk because they've been quite sedentary for a while and have you got anything that you do or advise them as they come in or well i start everybody off with a with a completely private lesson so, uh, and it's specific and you know, earlier, I think Rob, you mentioned that the, the UPA is like the first move, right? That's literally the first thing we teach them is the UPA. We teach them the basic positions, do some, some basic movements, you know, your teeter-totters, your, your hip escapes, things like that. Show them how to roll so that before I even put them into a class, they feel comfortable. That's the first part, right? Is not feeling stiff. 
someone comes in real stiff and real nervous and it's like their first class and they don't know what to expect, they're likely to get injured day one. You know, whereas I can take an hour with them and work with them and ease them into the, the process and, and, and feel a lot more comfortable day one. They understand, oh, we're going to line up by rank and we're going to bow and then we're going to do some warm ups and some of them are going to be a little foreign. And then the second thing is letting people know and giving them permission to say, I, I can't handle this much. So, uh, you know, like, it's kind of like if you go to, a, and, and if you love CrossFit, that's great. But if you go to a CrossFit gym, there's none of that. Like you go in, it's a hundred percent, go, go, go. From, you know, and if you start slacking off, they'll come up and yell at you and go, go harder. Right. Like, and that's what those people are paying for. That's great. But that again, it's not smart training necessarily for everybody. And if a guy comes in and he's 208, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 265 pounds, but when you, I'm, I mean, I've got a little belly, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm relatively in shape. I'm, I can do these movements. I've been doing movements all my life. But if you get someone, they, they've never done an athletic activity in their life. You know, they have no core. They have no, no upper body strength. They have no, they, they barely, you know, I mean, you've seen people, they don't even know where their arms are in space. Like they're moving and their arms just flailing out there, smacking the guy next to them. They don't know what they're doing. You have to give them the freedom to say, look, you know, like don't, don't push too hard because you're going to get hurt and we don't want you to get hurt. If you get hurt, you're going to quit. That's going to be useless to you. And, uh, you know, like we're doing lunges. You, know, you got bad knees. Okay, do half a lunge. You know, work your way up to it over time. Let's see how you are in a year. And uh, I think once you get, give people permission and they believe that that permission is sincere, you know, they see that you're not going to yell at them and that you're not, you know, there's a difference between pushing somebody and, and you know, you, you should always push people toward their goal, but you shouldn't shove them, you know. Um, once they have that trust in you, then, then it, it builds over, you know, that, that faith. And, and uh, that, that's, in my opinion, one of the biggest things, just, just to be honest with them about, look, it's okay to say, man, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I'll try, but if I can only do half of it, then I'll do half of it. And that's okay. You know, it's kind of like if you watch a workout video and you watch all those old school, like 1980s aerobics videos, right? And they're like doing all their movements and they're like, oh, and if this is too much for you, you can do this modification. Try to find those modifications to the, the movements we do jujitsu. And then just set their expectations appropriately too. Like, hey, if you can't, if you can't uh, do a full hip escape without someone on you, probably going to be really really hard to do an escape with someone on you so let's keep working that that mechanic and maybe just not worry about rolling at first you know, let's wait until you can actually execute the mechanic completely uncontested you know before you try to put uh, you know another 200 pound person on top of you that's holding you down and now you try it and then what happens you pop your rib you know no good so that's kind of what i do that's nice yeah i think it's good it's a good way to ease people in definitely So uh, what do you guys do for that same thing? You do run into that? We've, we always they put, them with me. <laughs> they put the new people with me, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the welcome fat, uh, the welcome face, the welcome mat, you know. <laughs> right. It's the yeah. dimples. They love the dimples. That's it. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, we do, we do generally, yeah, we'll put them with, we'll put them with Bill or we'll put them with, um, uh, one of our other guys, Sean, like the 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 sort of longest standing guys that have been with us, and we know that they'll look after them and that they'll you know 
set them on their way in the, in the right way. And Bill's very good at, yeah, telling them that it was funny when you were saying that, like he's very good at telling them, look, if you don't want to do that, don't do it. Or this is how you, how you line up and this is what it's, you know. So he's really good at guiding them through that first session um, and getting them sort of feeling established in the club. And we're so, we're so lucky that the feedback we get at the end when either Robin or I sit down to talk to people about membership is, is that um, they, they all go, oh, it's so friendly, everyone's so nice. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's we what know. Is, yeah, that, you know, we're so lucky that they get kind of welcomed in and that, that ethos has developed where everyone welcomes everyone in and everyone's super nice, you know, to everyone and supports everyone and stuff. So we really, you know, we're like, we are lucky because yeah, so many times we've had that off the cuff comment of, you know, oh, it's just, it was way more friendly. I thought I was really scared to come. And then once I got here and, you know, um, I got here and it's been really friendly and everything else. So yeah, no, we're lucky with that. Very lucky. Yeah, that, that culture is so important. So important. And, uh, you know, I, I, I always like to say, I don't know if you guys had the show back in the, the 80s, there was a TV show called Cheers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the theme song was where everybody knows your name. And, uh, you know, like that's, that's kind of how we want to be. My staff and I, and, and we, we always, we want that feeling for people. We want them sitting around after class, just talking and bullshitting, you know, feeling like it's their hangout. And, uh, you know, it's taking that approach has been very successful for us. So I, I, and I think that that's something that, again, that our association just kind of helps to exude, you know, it, yeah. that, that being comfortable with one another. Yeah. You were talking about the, like the competitors and, and <clears throat> stuff before, Bill. Uh, I think for me, if I was, I mean, it's not my school. I, I'm lucky to train with Pete and Robin in that environment. But for me, if ever I did have a school, I, I think I'd take more pride in taking, you know, a shy and timid kind of mouse to, to get them to a point where they had like confidence, you know, and, 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 and were able to kind of walk tall rather than taking somebody that was already an athlete full of confidence to the point where they might be able to win a competition. For me, you know, <clears throat> my focus would be on those, those, those kind of shy and retiring type of people in, instead. I think yeah. I get much more, more pride out of that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. And it's funny because that brings me back to a, a conversation I just had with one of my blue belts. He, he's a brand new blue belt. Um, and, and he was texting. I was like, hey, when are you going to be coming back? Because, you know, he's, He's still paying, you know, like, like when are you going to be coming back? And we were talking about it and he goes, you know, I, I just, I, I kind of don't know why I'm doing jujitsu right now. And I said, okay, I go, uh, I can explain that to you. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, when you started, you had self-confidence issues. You didn't have a girlfriend. You know, you, you were kind of in a crappy job. And since you started jujitsu, you've got a great girlfriend now. Your confidence has gone through the roof your job is better and you're just happier in life. I go, what you need is a new goal in jiu-jitsu. And he's like, holy crap, you're right. And I go, yeah, you, you've succeeded, congratulations. You know, now you've got to learn, you got to figure out another reason why you're doing it. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to quit. He goes, I just, I just, he goes, what you said made perfect sense. And, and it's kind of like exactly what you're talking about, you know? And that's a guy who just went from white belt to blue belt and that's how it affected him, you know, it was just, gaining that confidence he was doing a push-up challenge with us and stuff like that and, you know like i've seen him go from, from being very shy to you know an outspoken funny guy and uh, you know yeah it's, 
it does bring a lot of pride. You're right. Amazing transformation. Mm -hmm. Jiu-Jitsu for everyone. Yeah. I think some other, I think a different association uses that one, Bill. I don't think you can use that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but with our names after it, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you balance out those competition guys with the uh, so you got this you say you got this competition class? How do you balance out those guys with the general population? And I'm sure you merge them well, but how how do you get that balance? Well, you know, it's it, you got to keep people calm, right? Like, so one of the things I'll do probably once a month or so is I'll talk to, you know, at the end of a tough competition class, I'll just remind them, I'll say, Hey guys, this was a great training. Everybody was going really hard. I'm really proud of all of you. But remember not to take this one to the mats in the other classes. Remember that not everybody's here for what we're doing right now. And you guys are, and I think that's awesome. And, and that's a wonderful goal to have, but just remember when you're working with everybody else, they don't necessarily want your best. They, they want to be challenged. But they don't want to know how fast you can submit them. They don't want. They don't. They don't even need to know that. You know what they want is a challenge. So you can take them. You can make them sweat. You can make them have to work out of positions. But you know, play a lot of catch and release. You know, get a submission. Just let go of it and let them let the roll keep going. They don't need to know that they even lost. You know, I guess that's the biggest thing I think is just getting everybody on that page. And it's really not that hard to do because. It, you know, the culture that we have is one of inclusivity and, and making people feel comfortable. So the kind of person who wants to just go out and win, 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 and hurt people and stuff, they don't usually last. You know, they usually find regular classes boring. And they, they, it's like, you know, you know they're like, I'm going to go to this school for, for super hard classes all the time. And it's like, you know what, I, I, hope, I hope that works for you. You know, I hope those people continue to do jujitsu. Yeah, do jujitsu and they get something out of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, as a coach, you just have to remind people, and then, you know, the culture normally takes care of it a lot on its own as well. And if that's all they want is competition, then maybe I'm not the school for that. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, and we've always talked about the thing that that one one member that's maybe going too hard, maybe dragging that through into the the general population and stuff. That that's that's worth another three members that you're going to lose three people out of jiu-jitsu that you're going to lose because of because of one person kind of thing so yeah sometimes it's not worth having having that around oh and i'll remind myself you know or and i'll talk to them and i'll say you know how 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 much fun is it to actually beat a white belt and they'll be like you know what do you mean i'll go well how challenging is it really you know if you're especially if you're talking like a purple belt and they're like well not at all and i'm like yeah kind of it's kind of boring right it's like beating up a toddler you guys know what I mean. You've all trained for a while. Someone comes in, they don't know what they're doing. If you're just trying to roll to win, it's not even challenging. You know, it's like there's no challenge to it at all. And I go, I would rather beat up purple belts and brown belts. If I want to, if I want to roll someone and roll them hard, let me, let me roll hard with purple belts, brown belts, black belts, people who actually know what they're doing. Then it's fun. You know, it's like, oh, wow, man, they, they beat my cross joke that I thought was definitely going to get them. That's pretty interesting. You know, like, I guess so I would rather build them up to be good blue belts and purple belts and brown belts and, and before I try to beat them, you know what I mean? To beat them, so to speak. And uh, I think everybody tends to agree with that when you, when you put it that way. It's like, yeah, you're right. It's not really that interesting to beat a brand new blue belt or, a, you know, a whatever, you know, or to beat like a 40 year old, you know, or a, I have a guy who's 67 years old, he's purple belt. 
like people usually are like, wow, he's better than I expected. But like, let's be honest, like I'm a 41 year old. I'm never going to give that guy my hundred percent ever for any reason. You know, it's just not going to happen. And that's fine. I'm fine with that because he's active. He loves it. You know, and he, we all know where we're at, you know, like he doesn't need me to go hundred percent on him. You know, he's 67 years old. He's not there for that. So. He just wants a challenge. He just wants to be worked a little bit harder each each time. Yeah. yeah. He wants to live life, you know. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm uh, I'm still on the mats at 67. Oh, back on and the mats and beyond. Yeah. I feel like I'm chasing 67 down really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so you've got the you've got quite a, a decent sized kids program as well. You're saying the kids coming yeah. through as you? Yeah, we have about a hundred kids. Wow! Although right now this moment there's not that many. <laughs> they're you know deciding whether or not they're coming back after the COVID thing. Um, July sixth, July sixth is when their program goes back into full swing. So we'll see how it goes after that. Yeah, about 100, 100 kids is what we have in the program. Wow. Divided up by age. Yeah. Yeah. And how many of them are sort of, uh, or sorry, how, how do you keep, uh, how do you graduate? This is something I meant to ask someone with a good kids program. How do you graduate them through? So when they get to the point where they're coming through to the adult classes, are you telling them don't go too hard on the adults or are you telling them? <laughs> <laughs> like how are, you, how are you bringing them up and through like what's a what's a good way that you've managed to do that yeah i want to say that that is probably the most challenging adjustment there is um and i think mainly just because of the natural state that kids are in at that age you know at that age they're they're starting to challenge what's cool and what's not cool and they're trying to shed the things that they had when they were a kid right like that's that's about the same age that they get rid of all their teddy bears and decide to you know put the the rock and roll posters up on the wall you know like rebel a little bit and so you know i never went through that i've loved martial arts since the day i started um you know when i was five years old so the idea of quitting it doesn't make sense to me but i just noticed that that kind of 12, 13, 14 year old time frame, maybe even 15, that's when kids kind of decide whether or not they're going to stick with it. Um, so assuming that they want to, and they, they, as that time comes, we ease them into the adult classes around the age of 14, 15, depending on the maturity of the kid um, and how fair it is for them to continue being in kids' classes, right? Like if they're 15, but they're still maybe not the mentally the most mature, but their body is that of an adult now, it's time to move on. You know, we help, we try to ease them into it because I mean, there's a different demeanor in the adult classes that they, you know, we're a lot more relaxed maybe with some of our language and the way we approach things. And definitely the topics we approach, you know, like it's nothing for me to say, hey, this is a great rape defense technique, you know, in an adult class, which is not something I would ever bring up in, you know, a kid class for seven-year-olds, right? Like, so, they may never, you know, you know, it's just not. So, yeah, I mean, but uh, we, we try to ease them into it. And, and if, 
depending on the timing of it, hopefully there's some other kids around that age that they can train with that are kind of moving up with them. And uh, sometimes we'll even kind of like, oh, okay, well, I noticed that Joe, who's 15, trains a lot with, with uh, Tim, who's maybe 13. Maybe we bring them both up. You know what I mean? Even though Tim's a little younger, you're like if we bring them both up, they'll both feel a little more comfortable with it. Um, you know, as opposed to just jumping in and now his buddy's gone and, and, you know, he's with all these dudes he doesn't know that are old and sweating all over him. It, you know, like we try to make it as comfortable for them as possible. Um, and and uh, that's always the most challenging. That, that's the one, one thing I see, like, from the business perspective is people always want to know, how do I get more teenagers into my class? And it's like, man, you're looking for the, the fountain of youth. You know, you might, it's just, it, it's just, you know, that's, that's, that's the, uh, the unicorn, you know, is getting these, these teenagers who want to roll hard and train hard. You know, they're still young and in great shape. And, you know, it's kind of the same as looking for the athletes. You know, it's like, that's a, that's a very small statistical sample. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I think easing them into it at their pace is what's important. And, uh, you know, kind of talking to them, communicating with them. And most kids that age want to be treated like an adult for the I think. And, and so if you explain it to them like you would an adult, even if they don't truly understand, I think they respect it anyway. So that's the method we've done. Sounds good. Yeah, it's good advice because we've got the kids programs only a year old now, I think. And yeah, there's, there's some on the cusp and there's some that are going to move up from the really little class to the slightly older kids class. And then, yeah, it won't be too long before we have them moving up to there. I'm, I'm, I am genuinely frightened for the adults about what happens when, <laughs> when these kids come through that just, just they just do it, don't they? They don't even, like, there's no... Some of them, some of them, some of them are awkward still, you know, but like, because, you know, their body changes and they, they have trouble understanding how to move it. But like, one, we're doing takedowns in this one class and this, this kid, he's a yellow belt and uh, He's with a you know a thirty something year old adult who's still a white belt, and the kid just drops and like immediately takes him down and has him in an ankle lock. And I'm like, Nate, take it easy on the guy. <laughs> like he's like, oh okay, I'm sorry. You know, like I don't think he realized how effective it is. You know, he's used to doing it against other kids, and like he, he gets hold of some inflexible you know dad who you know, that guy's so embarrassed. He's like, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> I'm like. Don't worry about it, man. That should, if anything, that should make you feel better about what you're learning. <laughs> yeah, we've started saying it now in the adult class on purpose, saying like, if you see, if you see like a, a, a kid walking around with like a an orange belt, a green belt on, just just stay away. Just 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 leave leave them where they are. Yeah, be really really nice to them. <laughs> I'm always I always joke. I'm like, yeah, you know why I'm so nice to you, Mason? Mason Warbar. He actually just got blue. But um, I'm, I'm like, it's so that, so that in like 10 or 15 years, when you can definitely kick my butt, you choose not to. Because <laughs> like, it's going to be up to you, buddy. <laughs> so. uh, they're awesome. Yeah, they're great. Oh, man. They are, I'm, I'm really enjoying watching how well they're, they're, they're progressing over the last few weeks because they're getting like that one-on-one -on -one, like attention working with a parent or a sibling or... Yeah, well, on, just the, the way on Zoom. Yeah, you on Zoom. It. Yeah, yeah. So, so we do the Zoom Zoom classes, but you can see the progress that they've made over that kind of 10, 12 weeks. It's, it is, it's phenomenal. 
just just their movement it's uh yeah they're, they're, it's not slowed them down that is is you know covid's not slowed the kids down <laughs> no it's uh yeah it's crazy to watch we have we have a handful we we didn't do the zoom classes so it wasn't the one on one um in hindsight i probably would have done that uh but it just everything was happening so fast and i honestly just didn't believe it was going to last so long I was like, this is going to be like three weeks. By the time I get it set up, it'll be done. And then like three months later, it's like, oh, okay. Um, but anyway, so I didn't, I didn't set up that. I just did Facebook Live. But, you know, we have a handful of them who tuned in for every single live class. And, and we're still doing some and, and posting it for them. But uh, they do it religiously. And, you know, they came back and it was like they didn't miss a beat. You know, they do a good job. I think the parents that train with the kids, they're going to come back sharp as ever. Because they're, uh, they're they're getting some good material and some good practice in still, um, for sure. I, I can't wait to to see those those that loose on the others as well. I think that's going to be quite quite an interesting sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, no, they've been good. They've been really good. So what um, what's next? You got the big you got the big academy. Do you want to plug the uh, plug the new the new place and give everyone give out uh, yeah. the, the address? Yeah. I mean <laughs> I don't know if we need to do a plug. I mean, I'm in <laughs> Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. If you're watching from, from that area, you know, Kent, Akron, uh, we, we've got people coming up from Hudson, you know, toplevelmartialarts.com. We always have some sort of special going on to get started. Uh, and, uh, you know, say you heard about it on the podcast, whatever, we'll, we'll give you a free class or something, you know, try it out. But uh, yeah, I mean, and if there's anybody out there who's an instructor and, and maybe you're, you know, or a school owner or something and you need advice, Facebook, uh, we have a, a page there called BJJ Business. I'm not trying to sell you anything. All I do, myself and a couple of friends of mine come on and just kind of tell you what's been working for us and kind of the ideas that we have uh, as far as from a business perspective. So if uh, that's something that interests you and you're interested in that, I'd love to help you out. Just come on there. Again, I'm not, you're not going to get on there and have it be me being trying to sell you a bunch of products. Uh, I haven't I mean, you're on there. When, when's the last time I tried to sell anything? Yeah. I never have. Never. <laughs> you know, and, you know, so there's some people on there who do, but, you know, I have no, I tell them, go ahead if you want to. If people want to buy it, then great. I will plug products that I use, you know, like certain things that I think are good, but I have no affiliation with them. So, um, other than that, you know, if, if you're someone who's interested in jujitsu and it doesn't matter where you are, uh, go to pedrosour.com. Uh, there's a list of Pedro Sauer schools. If you think you like things that we were just talking about and our approach to it, uh, you know, see if there's any of those schools near you or even call the number that's on there. And we can tell you if there's maybe a, a, like a sub affiliate school near you and, uh, you know, definitely get in, into a Pedro Sauer school. So that's my advice. That's awesome. Very, very, very sound advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But again, thank you so much for doing it and, and uh, jumping on and glad we can make it happen and get you on here and have a chat. It's great. It's awesome for us to just keep getting to you know meet people that we see, you know, that we get to talk to on Facebook and occasionally see at seminars, but just to for us to be able to chat to people and keep it yeah. keep it going for us really when we can't train. So it's awesome. Yeah, man, I guess I hope it starts to clear up for you soon here. I still hope you get to open up soon. I'm worried about my friends. Yeah. But, uh, Hopefully this becomes a footnote very quickly and, and you guys get to open and get, get back on track. Yeah. Soon enough. Soon enough. We'll get there. 
for sure. Yeah, I appreciate being on, and uh, it's nice to get to meet you guys, and then and kind of like get to know you a little better. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, Fine. yeah. thank right. you very much. All right. So